Welcome, I'm Doug Morgan, and you're listening to Uncommon Sense, where we hunt for the truth in the topics you're not supposed to talk about, Christianity and politics. I do really like to laugh and have a good time. (laughs) I am a father of six children, so I have plenty of dad jokes. (laughs) I will spare you those today. But I've been told that my personality is most accurately described as otter-like. You've probably been to the to the zoo where you see the otters and they love to play and they love to have a good time. And that's a big part of their day. I, you know, that, that kind of does describe me. Uh, though even, even when I'm in a tense situation, I, I like to lighten the, the mood just a little bit. I think it really goes a long way. Uh, what I'm not is someone who is flippant though. I am serious when need be. I, can take seriously any situation that requires it. There are times that require us to take seriously what is happening, and laughter is not appropriate. (laughs) I've probably had to learn that the hard way. But laughing at someone who is mourning a death, for instance, of a loved one, um, is an example of, of someone laughing at inappropriate times. You don't hear much laughter at a funeral, for instance. Laughter can show that we are not taking the situation seriously. Making jokes at inappropriate times can tell others that what they are concerned about is just not very valid. They can feel like they are being dismissed even, or or even mocked. So laughter can also show our true feelings. If we laugh at someone when they make a comment. We are communicating that we think that that comment is just not serious. It can show that we think that what they are saying is, is not true. If, if you have ever seen a post, let's say on, on Facebook, for instance, that you disagree with or you think is untrue, have you ever responded with a laughy face emoji <laughs> you know the 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 big yellow face with the the the, the tears coming out the eyes cuz he's laughing so hard i mean i'm sure that's not why they made the laughy emoji <laughs> was for this but you see it all the time you see when somebody posts something that somebody disagrees with uh, or just thinks it's just flat out untrue they put the laughy face emoji in there why why do we do that well it's because you're saying that the only way that you would post some something like this is that you're thinking that they're joking. <laughs> That's the only way they they do that. I, I, I can't possibly be be true if, if and so I'm going to go ahead and put a laughy face on there. Well, another observation is that leftists rarely have a sense of humor. If you have you noticed this, if you say something sarcastic, they almost never see it that way. If you if you say something in in order to get a laugh, well, liberals usually take that 
to mean something deeper and ominous, right? I mean, they look into everything. Well, why would he say that? What that that's not? It's, it's just not funny to them. So they they take it as real. They did this this to Donald Trump quite a bit. Even some of his early debates, uh, they they took some of the things that it was they were obvious jokes, and they tried to hold it over his head the whole time because they couldn't see the humor in it. A great example of this as well is the the judge, um, Judge Schroeder, who is um, the judge in the Kyle Rittenhauer trial. Well, he made a joke and they are just, they just didn't get it. And then now they're trying to, to say he's racist. He said saying that they were going to, to go to lunch and, and have a lunch break for the trial. And, <laughs> and when they were going to reconvene was going to be, I can't remember, it was probably about 145 or something, if I remember right. And he said that they were going to restart the trial at that time, unless, and this is his quote, quote, Asian, his Asian food was held up at the port of Longview. <laughs> now, now <laughs> I'm, I'm really glad that this judge is a judge and not a stand-up comedian, but, but the, the joke still remains, right? He said it as a joke. It wasn't really during the trial. It was when they were trying to figure out when they were going to come back from a lunch break. Now, you know, whether or not you think it's funny, the left did not think it was funny. (laughs) They have done everything they can to try to smear this judge, even though he was, he was appointed by a Democrat. The, they have done everything they can to, to smear him and, and death threats to his family and things like this, uh, calling him racist all over a, uh, an Asian food joke because he, he used the word Asian. They were, they were all over this thing. In the media, they were uh, saying that, that, you know, because of the word Asian, he is just simply a racist. Now, I could go on and on with examples of how leftists don't usually have a sense of humor and are often offended by everything. You, I'm sure you've seen it. They are offended by everything. They don't see the humor in anything. When they do laugh at something, it's usually in a way that is belittling. You know, it's it's like when you have a, an older sibling that thinks you're asking a, a stupid question, and they laugh to, to show how smart they are, right? It's, they, they would, if they could tap you on the head and in a, in low tone of voice, they, they, they tell you how cute you were for asking the question. It's, it, it, it's just, it's just a belittling type of thing. And it is in this vein that we see the true colors of this presidential administration. This administration is well, honestly, like most leftists, they think that they are the smartest person in the room. You've, you've probably been to a party. You've probably uh, been uh, around people where someone stands out as, as someone who thinks they're the smartest person in the room. And it is in our best interests that we let them lead and not question anything they do. If we start thinking for ourselves, well, then we are going to get ourselves into trouble because we are not as smart as them. <laughs> what what we need to do is just trust them that they are as smart as 
as they say, and, and, and not question what they're going to do. If, if we just trust them to do the right thing and for the right motives, well, then we will be much better off. <laughs> it is when we question what they're doing and saying, well, that is when we just get in our own way and, and we get in their way of doing what's best for, for all of us because we are so ignorant as people. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it reminds me of when I went to Austria and uh, while I was there, I, I was uh, fortunate enough to go to some of the big cathedrals there. And some of these big cathedrals, they're no longer churches. They're, they're basically just tourist type things. They go, people, uh, you know, they take people through and, and you get to see it. And it's really interesting, really beautiful in, in a lot of ways. Um, and, and you see all of these uh, pictures up on the, on the walls um, showing all of the, not all, but showing a lot of depictions from the Bible. Um, and, and why are they there? What was the attitude back then? Well, part of it was that not a lot of people knew how to read. They didn't have a, lo- a lot of uh, Bibles, of course. And, uh, and so what they would do is they put these pictures up there depicting what was in the Bible. And the, so that way these, you know, these ignorant peasants and things would be able to, to at least see something from the Bible. They'd be un, uh, able to understand a certain type of, uh, you know, story in the Bible. But, you know, what they had to do is they had to rely on the priests who could read the Bible and, they, and, and make sure that they were understanding it correctly and that, that were, they were interpreting it correctly. And if you try to do it yourself, well, you were just going to mess it up because you were too ignorant. That, that was kind of the example. That was, that was the, the attitude that, that there was there. Well, another good example of this is, is found in our public education system. I can remember this kind of attitude when I was on the school board. The attitude was that we need to let the child experts teach the children what they what is needed. Not leave it up to the parents, of course. Those those parents are kind of ignorant, right? I would ask, you know, why we are teaching a certain curriculum. Uh, sex education, for instance. Um, the answer almost every time was that not all parents teach what is right in, in, in their eyes, of course. And it was up to the school system to make sure that the kids learned what the teachers felt was important. <laughs> it, it could not be left up to these stupid parents to teach their own children. I mean, that's, that's just a that's crazy thought. Uh, we needed to, to leave it up to the experts, the teachers, to educate kids. We can't leave, you know, even leave it up to the parents to feed the kids, let alone teach them. So we, we are uh, in need of, of year-round breakfast and lunch programs, which is really what they got. And it didn't matter if it was on summer break or not. You could go to the school and kids could get their breakfast and their lunch because we can't really leave that up to parents. So this kind of attitude was on full display at a recent governor's debate in Virginia where Democrat Terry McAuliffe, um, of course, the one who lost, he was the Democratic candidate who lost, and, and he was in the midst of a heated exchange with Youngkin, who's one the Republican candidate who won. Um, but during this debate, uh, he was in this ex- exchange with Youngkin over uh, 
the, the parents' attempt to remove sexually explicit texts from school libraries. Now, McAuliffe, he, he wanted to leave them there, of course. And, and he huffed, quote, I don't think parents should be telling schools what they should teach. That is exactly what he said. I don't think parents should tell schools what they should teach. Now, this showed just how little respect the liberal candidate had for parents. It's one of the big reasons he lost, too. Because it, it started to show his true character. It started to show his true colors. When he was saying that I'm the one or these teachers are the ones that need to teach the children, not parents. And we see this very same attitude in the current administration in the White House. They think that they are the smartest people in the room. And without them, we would all be sunk. If you question them, you are a racist, bigoted, homophobic, just good for nothing <laughs> type of parent, right? And and you're you're only good for a laugh. Well, that's why when I, I saw this article by Ben Johnson of the Daily Wire, he pointed out a quote and it says, quote, we don't have an anger problem in American politics. And he's, he's quoting the then president of AEI, uh, Arthur Books, in a, in a viral video clip from 2017. He says, we don't have an anger problem in American politics. We have a contempt problem in American politics. Unfortunately, much of that contempt is presently directed by political elites, to be honest with you, to, to those whom, you know, they've promised to serve. Quote, I will now be an American president. I will work as hard for those who didn't vote for me as those who did. Do you know who said that? Do you remember that quote? That came from President-elect Joe Biden. <laughs> Joe Biden said that he was going to work just as hard for those who didn't vote for him as those that did. He pledged that on the day the media proclaimed that he had won the 2020 election. Yet, in the ensuing months, the president and, and major figures within his administration have laughed. They've chuckled and even sarcastically minimized the suffering of American citizens. Suffering often caused by the foreseeable consequences of their policies. I mean, these are self-inflicted wounds and they're laughing at you. I'll give you some examples. Example number one is Energy Secretary Jennifer Granholm, literally belly laughing at high gas prices. This is just two weeks ago. And when I heard this, I knew I had to, I had to, to talk with you about this uh, because it just, it, it just infuriates me. The, the attitude that's just so brazen, they're just showing you exactly the way that they think. This is two weeks ago. Energy Secretary and former Governor of Michigan, Jennifer Granholm, lit literally laughed out loud when asked to solve America's high gas prices during an interview with Bloomberg. This is this is a quote. In Sturgis, Michigan, gas is $2.89 uh, $2 a gallon. 
I guess that's better than in California, where gas prices currently average for 65 a gallon and have topped $7 a gallon in the city of Gorda. What is the Grand Home plan to increase oil production in America? This is what the, the host asked her. Okay, Madam Secretary laughed heartily. And she just, like I say, comes out with this big belly laugh. And if you've seen the video, she literally just lays back almost laughing out loud. And she says, that is hilarious. She says, what uh, would, would that I had the magic wand on this? As you know, of course, oil is a global market. It is controlled by a cartel. The cartel is called OPEC. And they, uh, and they made a decision yesterday that they would, they're not going to increase beyond what they are already planning. Now, I, I know you're probably not thinking that this is real. It is. Here is Secretary Jennifer Granholm on Bloomberg. In Sturgis, Michigan, it is $2.89 a gallon. I guess that's better than in California. What is the Grand Home plan to increase oil production in America? <laughs> oh my God. That is hilarious. Would that I had the magic wand on this. As you know, of course, uh, oil is a global market. It is controlled by a cartel. That cartel is called OPEC, and they made a decision yesterday that they were not going to increase beyond what they were already planning. Okay, so contrary to what she just said, energy prices come from supply and demand. They don't come from OPEC. They come from supply and demand. And the Trump administration's energy policies so en encouraged the exploration and the expansion of U.S. energy resources that the nation briefly became a net exporter of petroleum products. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? That instead of importing oil into our country, we literally were exporting oil out of the country and selling it to other countries. Why? Because we had all that we could use and we we're selling it to others. That's what happened under the Trump administration. But as soon, as soon as President Biden came into office, he, he canceled the Keystone XL pipeline the very first day he was in office and he attempted to suspend drilling permits on federal land. That was one of the very first things that he did, making us again oil dependent. Now, Granholm did not laugh in ignorance. She's not ignorant about this. It's not that she doesn't understand what's going on. When Dana Bash of CNN's State of the Union um, show asked if Americans should expect to pay higher prices for heating their homes this winter? Granholm responded with, yes, this is just going to happen. So she understands. Here, here's number two. Here's Kamala Harris as she laughs at parents whose children are barred from in-person schooling. Vice President uh, Kamala Harris laughed so hard that she had to pause momentarily as she began to discussing parents' For, uh, who forced to stay home with their children uh, when school was canceled in in-person in education. She, she says, I'll close by saying this, uh, said Harris, during the, this is a March 26th visit to a child care center in West Haven, Connecticut. I believe in that, that saying that 
in every crisis, there is an opportunity. If we see it for what it is, the pandemic resulted in so much loss to human life. People lost their jobs, lost their normalcy, so much loss and devastation. But then she turned to the opportunity and Harris believed that these conditions made Americans more likely to support the administration's political agenda, especially the expansion of the welfare state. He said, quote, the opportunity is more people are seeing that, yeah, affordable health care is a big deal. More parents are seeing the value of educators, she said, and she began laughing. When when they had to bring these these kids um, you know, to 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 the to the home, she said that they uh, that the parents uh, would would want to pay the teachers more. We're we're not paying them nearly enough, she said, continuing to laugh as she adjusts her masks. Now, you you might not even believe me. Here's the clip. More people are seeing that yeah, affordable childcare is a big deal. More parents are seeing the value of educators when they had to bring their kids <laughs> and say, we're not paying them nearly enough. <laughs> but in course, in fact, and in reality, a growing number of parents grew concerned about the content and the quality of their children's education during the pandemic. I mean, this was one of the, the bright spots of the pandemic was that people actually got to see what their kids were being taught. Multiple studies proved that that school board discussions uh, to to close in-person instruction, which led to an, an estimated one-fifth of a year of learning lost among students, and even more in some areas, one, one day at least uh, of remote learning for, for kids, and, and in many cases, everything had to be remote. It had more to do with the power of the teachers' union than with local infected infection rates. I mean, these were unions that said, "No, we don't want to teach. We we want to just simply do Zoom classes. We don't care what this does to the kids." Parents also raised concerns about the teaching of controversial, polarizing ideologies like critical race theory. Why do you think that's one of the things that's so, so uh, such a big deal right now at school board meetings? Because parents got to see that what was being taught to their kids, and and you know even even along those lines, the furnishing of of, of minors with sexually explicit, uh, you know, heterophobic pornography in in the libraries. Uh, an estimated 3 million women also left the U.S. workforce during the COVID pandemic. Many, many because they had to stay home so that their children could attend remote education. I've talked to a number of moms that are that are just stay-at-home moms now, used to work, aren't now. Why? Because of the pandemic and because of what they saw that their their children were going through. All right, so let's let's move on. Here's another one. Here's here's Jen Saki who sarcastically responds to a question about America's, uh, Americans unable to get um, presents due to the, the supply chain issues. A White House spokes, uh, spokeswoman Jen Psaki tried to rhetorically parry a question about U.S. households being unable to purchase the items that they need because the supply chain has left them mired in, in you know, with just these 
terrible delivery schedules and things. She said this, she said, it was clear in March of 2020 when COVID hit that the supply chains across the world had been disrupted. Then Peter Ducey of Fox News said um, that this, this is this is the question that he that he's starting out to Jen, Jen Psaki at at time um, as, as time went on, it became crystal clear that things were not improving on the supply chain. People couldn't get dishwashers and furniture and treadmills delivered on time, not to mention all sorts of other things. And this is what Saki comes back with. She says, the tragedy of the treadmill that's delayed. Uh, this is what, this is how serious she's taking this. I mean, Ducey clarified that he had a serious point. I mean, he had to, he had to come back and say, I have a, this is a serious point. I'm really asking a serious question. You know, if, if America's barren shelves are a reflection of the fact that this administration has failed to kind of anticipate or, you know, and, and is much more reactive to these kind of things rather than getting ahead of them as they should. Here's here's Jen Psaki just basically making fun of your pain. Just a question on the timing uh, on the supply chain issue. Yeah. Uh, actions that the president has taken. It, it was clear in March of 2020 when COVID hit that, that the supply chains across the world had been disrupted even as as the sort of work to fight back against COVID proceeded, people, it was, it was crystal clear that things were not improving on supply chain. People couldn't get dishwashers and, and furniture and treadmills delivered on time, not to mention all sorts of other things. So why the is it- The tragedy of the short, the treadmill that's delayed. Right, the treadmill. Right. All right, let me give you just two more. Let's go back to Kamala Harris again. Kamala Harris laughs again on March 22nd, when asked if she would visit the U.S. border with Mexico to observe the, the situation firsthand. Do you plan to visit the border, a reporter asked. Um, not today. <laughs> she cackles, right? She lis- li- listened to, to Vice President Harris when, when asked about this. Do you plan to visit the border? Uh, um, not today. <laughs> But um, I have before, and I'm sure I will again. This is the person in charge of the border. Two days later, President Biden would ask her, with with ha- with handling the 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 flow of illegal immigrants into the United States, saying she's the most qualified person to do it, to lead our efforts with Mexico and with the Northern Triangle and the countries that can help need help in in. Uh, stemming the m- movement uh, of so many folks, stemming the migration to our southern border. This is what President Biden said. Now, photojournalists, news programs, and reporters have recently pressed the Biden administration, obviously, over the administration's refusal to to give press access and view the insides of these facilities down there. I mean, he, he won't do it. And even Fox News host, uh, host Chris Wallace called out DHS Secretary um, uh, Alejandro Mayorkas over the administration's refusal to grant access to the media due to the pandemic as sounding like an excuse and not a legitimate reason. Now, the situation has only deteriorated. A record number of people have been flowing over the, the border. I mean, we're we are way past uh, 1.7 million illegal uh, immigrants and over uh, 1,100 and, and 
or 11,200 pounds of fentanyl crossed the U.S. border with Mexico over this, this last fiscal year. Now, each pound of fentanyl can actually kill um, over 227,000 uh, people. And uh, law enforcement officials say opioids uh, caused about oh, three quarters of last year's 93,000 overdose deaths nationwide. Illegal border crossings skyrocket, of course, after the election of the Biden-Harris ticket. Both the president and the vice president campaigned on, on providing amnesty for millions of illegal immigrants and furnishing new arrivals with free health care. I mean, free everything. When they, get, when, when they are given all this information about how they can get free stuff as soon as, uh, as, soon as we get our hands on them. Although Harris did eventually visit the uh, southwest border, she has always maintained her um, her portfolio deals with the the alleged root causes of illegal immigration to the U.S., leading the administration to attempt to kind of renegotiate agreements with Central and South American nations after canceling similar uh, pacts hammered out by President Trump. So President Trump set up these things, and suddenly Biden and Harris are going to have to kind of Go back to some of those. So now, okay, last one. Poll, the polls show Americans believe Biden is just incompetent and unfocused. I mean, the polls show this. At, I don't know how you you look at, at the at the president and, and say anything other than that. Uh, at an August twenty second press conference, an uh, exceedingly rare event, of course, and we have not seen very many press conferences by President Biden or his administration. Uh, a reporter asked President Biden about a new poll showing that the majority of Americans, forgive me, he says, I'm just the messenger, <laughs> like he's about to be shot, <laughs> no longer find you competent, focused, or effective in your job. And he says, I, this is what Biden says, I haven't seen the poll, Biden replied. When the reporter uh, um, assured the president that the poll did exist, the president laughed before before turning the discussion to his decision to withdraw from Afghanistan. And he just like parried to Afghanistan. Look, I had a basic, basic decision to make. He said, my job is to make judgments. No one else can or will make while most Americans support ending the, the 20 year engagement in Afghanistan. They oppose the, um, the, the the withdrawal, which left hundreds of Americans trapped in a country run by the Taliban. It's, he just goes off. Anyway, the, the CBS News and YouGov poll released, uh, the, found that only 49% of Americans believe Joe Biden is competent. Only 48 believe he's mentally focused and 47 believe he is effective as president. His numbers are dropping dramatically. And in fact, we've seen some, some uh, polls recently where he's, he's literally in the thirties as far as uh, what people think of him. So anyway, uh, here's President Biden and, and what he said. And then a question on the public response. A new poll out today shows Americans wanted to withdraw from Afghanistan, but they disapproved of the way you've handled it. Poll also found that based in part what's transpired in the last week, the majority of Americans Forgive me, I'm just the messenger. No longer consider you to be competent, focused, or effective in the job. I haven't seen that poll. It's up um, from CBS this morning. Um, <laughs> what would you say to those Americans who no longer 
Look, I had a basic decision to make. I either withdraw America from a 20-year war that, depending on whose analysis you accept, cost us $150 million a day for 20 years or $300 million a day for 20 years. I don't think I need to comment more on President Biden for you to know just what he thinks of you uh, or doesn't think of you, whatever the case. I mean, such an outcome is is really no laughing matter when it comes to the things that are happening in this country to people. These are serious matters. They really are. And when we see people that are supposed to be serving the people, that's what politicians are supposed to do. They're not supposed to be ruling over them like like this. They they are supposed to be ruling. They they uh, should have some concern for the people that they serve. They show their real colors and character, in my opinion, in in demeaning people in this way. The very things that they are laughing at are are crises that are created by them for the most part. They are self-inflicted problems. And when asked about them, all they can do is show their contempt for the very people that they are in charge of serving. And now you may agree and you may disagree with that. I, I would definitely love to have a productive conversation. If you, if you like the program, if, if you like the podcast, please go ahead and, and like us on Facebook, Instagram, uh, we, we're, we're in a number of different uh, areas. And you can always go to UncommonSensePodcast.com. Thank you very much for listening. This podcast is a production of Morganite Communications.